I have a an app and I make 15 bucks a year from Amazon affiliate. Yay! Whoa! You don't have to show off with your filthy richness, you know, from Amazon, <laughs> you know. <laughs> In our hospital, out of 100 patients, 99 patients, you know, survived this operation. Mm -hmm. uh, up until now, we had 99 <laughs> successes. So next patient is going to die. <laughs> okay, yeah. Yeah, and then we wouldn't wouldn't have hired you because we only hired child child prodigies, nothing else. So, <laughs> shut up. Hello, I'm Radek. I'm Michael, and this is the podcast, a sounding board for interesting ideas and insights. We discuss books, read, and want to share with you, as well as technology and productivity, which is what we do by day, working on our app Nosby, or whatever else comes to mind. So we're back from the trip, or you are still in the same city. Um, yeah, and we're going we back moved, to moved an inch. <laughs> yeah, yeah. My my uh, whole trip back was like twenty minutes. Like you, I had a flight to catch. <laughs> yeah, on on foot. Yeah. So we're back to discussing books. Yeah, uh, another book, a random book. <laughs> mm -hmm. Well, I found it quite randomly and then I read it I thought it's kind of interesting and I recommended it to you well I read his I mean uh, Nassim Taleb's previous book The Black Swan mm -hmm. but I don't remember much of it actually uh, uh, well I remember the Black Swan theory and what it's all about but um, yeah with this book I'm, I'm well I'm still finishing it I have I think 40 minutes to go or something like that mm -hmm. so I'm almost at the end um, but uh, I don't know. I'm <laughs> the book is kind of random, you know. It's like um the way I, I don't like the way the way the book is structured and the way the book works. And mm -hmm. I'm not sure about, you know, what the author really wants to tell us. Um well, I can try to summarize, but uh, it's um well, there are a few ideas that I really like, but the rest I'm just a little bit confused. So I hope that you will help help me out here with understanding. So you're saying you're skeptical. Yeah. So basically you're becoming like me. Yeah. So in this in this I mean, in, in this version, like I am I am you and you are me. So you are the enthusiast and I am the, the skeptical now. So we switch places now. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> all right. So I think I I have a pretty decent grip on what the book is about. But since you are confused, uh, maybe you try to to explain it in a few words, like what it's about, what its central thesis is. Okay. So from my point of view, the author is trying to say is that we are trying too hard to make sense of the world like we mm -hmm. are trying too hard to make sense like to, for the things to like to make sense where in most cases things are random so like uh, there is lots of luck involved and there's lots of randomness involved and uh, because uh, you know as you said very often on this show hindsight is 2020 like so we are trying in the hindsight to figure out why something happened mm -hmm. um, to make sense of the world again but very often this explanation doesn't make any sense because it was totally random uh, so uh, i think the author is trying to convince us that you know um that we should i don't know look at the world with more randomized glasses so so to not mm. try to make sense so much not to focus on that but just you know take things as they are and just accept random situations uh that that makes sense uh yeah uh i think one 
One other thing he was trying to say is that even when we do see that there's a lot of randomness involved in whatever we're looking at, we're just not well equipped to deal with it. Like our, our, our minds are not really wired to understand the nature of randomness. We're wired to see things as deterministic and they don't always are, or you know, maybe they are, but uh, abstracted so much that, that they might as well be random. And we don't, we don't naturally interpret randomness correctly. And even if we are consciously aware of the nature of randomness, uh, still our minds, our emotions uh, fool us and, and cause us to, uh, again, interpret random events incorrectly and, and assign meaning to where there is none. Okay, but because by reading this book, you can come up with this thing, with this notion that, you know, whatever I do doesn't matter. It's all random, you know? Mm -hmm. And, well, and this would be like, a, I think, a dangerous extreme anyway, you know? Because like, it's like, the, you know, there's this saying that um, luck uh, uh, comes to the prepared, you know? So mm -hmm. if 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 somebody is more prepared than the, you know, and they're lucky, then, you know, they're most like li more likely to succeed than somebody who's not prepared and they turn out to be lucky and then they fail anyway so okay yeah that, that makes sense to me so you know so um so it's you know it's again i'm confused because after reading this book i'm like okay so should i attribute everything to luck or mm -hmm. or just some of it you know or, or maybe more than i would hope to think and how, how like you know <laughs> <laughs> You do seem confused. Yeah. Uh, I think context helps. Uh, Nassim Taleb is a trader. So, you know, he makes money on trading derivatives. And so this is a kind of field where there is a high degree of randomness. And the reason why he survived in that environment for far longer than, than others is because he understands the nature of randomness better. So one example that that he would show over and over, uh, which which does confirm your your um, your theory that you know luck comes to the prepared, that uh, in, in his field um, traders are judged not by tenure but by profit, and. The, the weird nature of, of randomness in, in the markets is such that you can make a lot more profit by doing things that work most of the time. But then every, you know, every 10 years, there's this extreme event, this black swan event, as, as he would say, which will, you know, wipe out all those positions and, and those, those traders, which were you know, most amazing, most profitable, and people would um, assign, you know, all sorts of virtue and skill uh, to their to their profits. And in reality, they just follow the strategy, which eventually would blow up, and they would lose more money than they ever made. Uh, whereas he would uh, make steady money over time, and in fact, make most money on those black swan events. And so most of the time, you know, he would be prepared 
you know, because he understands the nature of randomness better. So he would stay in this longer and he wouldn't care about the fact that, you know, others are fooled uh, by the, the numbers now. Others see, okay, this guy is most profitable, so he's the best, he's most skilled. When in reality, uh, it's just randomness, right? It, it's, just, it's just the fact that he's playing a, a game which almost inevitably will blow up. Yeah, this is. There was a story of two different traders that uh, in in quite the beginning of the book, where mm-hmm. one of them was like the steady trader. He had you know the the, the the skill set and he was like making safe bets and 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 he had like a structure of how he was investing money and how he was getting the money, and he mm-hmm. was earning pretty good money, really good money. But then he had his neighbor who was far more successful, and uh, and. Um, he was, um, I really like that. He, he was asking himself, maybe he's too playing safe or playing too safe. You know, maybe he should, you know, change the way he's playing because apparently the other guy is not playing safe and he's, you know, earning a lot more. Mm-hmm. So I like, I like the story for, on, on, on two different levels. So first level was, you know, the premise of the book that the other guy was fooled by randomness. He, 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 he attributed his, uh, enormous success uh, to his skill, whereas it wasn't his skill, it was his struck of luck, you know, in that moment. So mm-hmm. he was lucky uh, in, in many ways. And then when his luck turned, <laughs> he, he, he went broke. Uh, so, so, so that's, you know, that's the thing. So, so I think the first lesson here is to, is to, is to, you know, stay humble and, you know, n- not, you know, bet everything on one thing and, you know, and not not attribute everything to yourself and to your own skills and to you mm-hmm. know to to eat your own bullshit you know to to you know to um uh, in a way that you know that you think that you're the best because you know you think so you know ego and stuff ego is the enemy we talked about it before uh, yeah. on this show so i would say this thing would, was 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 also good but the other thing that i also found in this story and i found it really fascinating and really something that i it struck home was the fact that you know we are pretty successful with Nosby, you know, how we, how we, you know, how we, how, like, we are 10 years in business, we are profitable, we, you know, we have a growing team, we have a growing user base, we are changing the world of people who are using our tool and stuff. And, but it's a steady climb. It's not like we are right now, you know, uh, disrupting everything and we have millions of user of paying users and we have billions of dollars. I am not on Forbes whatever list who cares about that mm-hmm. so when you read all these you know all these things about these these guys these these immense successes you start mm-hmm. thinking maybe i'm doing something wrong maybe i'm playing too safe maybe maybe i should you know disrupt the whole thing maybe i should get investor right now and i don't know get a billion or die, die trying right i mean you know th- this kind of thing and it's really tempting to think like that you know and it's really tempting to think that you know if you do something differently you will get that you know that maybe you're doing something wrong mm-hmm. and uh and it's a like it's a situation like it's a, it's a an emotional state that i sometimes feel myself in and I, and I really have to struggle with this to you know put myself back to earth and say you know michael you're doing a good job yes you have things to improve and so keep improving but what you're doing is is the right way to go it's 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 really hard to 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 um like to think like that. Yeah, I, I agree. That's that's the nature of the the being fooled part, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, we we are successful, but our our emotions still fool us because we naturally end up 
comparing ourselves to these wild successes, which are partly attributed perhaps to the skills, but were largely lucky. They were in the right place at the right time. You know, Mark Zuckerberg started by may by making a a simple web- website in PHP. Anyone could do that, right? And he's he's smart. He's really smart. But but you know, all those successes, um, they're they're lucky. They're lucky too. And it just it makes no sense to compare uh, to compare ourselves to them because we're only seeing the successes. Yeah. All the the people and companies that that try to shoot for the stars and just burned up we don't see them that's you know that's that's one of those those biases that that the book talked about the one of the most common ones the survivorship bias right mm-hmm. you you judge from the data you see and you only see success failure is filtered out so you don't see how likely the success the success would be in reality if you follow that path whereas this path it's still successful. It's still good. And, you know, it's, it's pretty solid. It's, it's not just going to break down tomorrow. Yeah. And also, um, for me, I don't know if it was meant to be like from this book, but, but because when I was reading this book and, and he was talking about like dramatic failures and dramatic, you know, situations where people would lose everything Mm -hmm. through to, because they didn't understand the, the, the randomness part. So it's also the idea that, we should really, you know, diversify, you know, if we and, and, and save and then like, do, like, do these boring things like this boring, you know, trader, like do these boring things to be able. So so we don't find ourselves in this moment where we can bet everything on one thing and then just blows up, you know, mm-hmm. that we should really whenever we, you know, invest or, or, you know, put our money or, you know, you know, do things we should do them. You know, we should not depend on our brilliance, but uh, but focus on like be more humble and just, you know, like do smaller steps, you know, do like, you know, uh, I don't know, more humble steps and, and, and more humble investments, you know, things like that, that, that when, when you do blow up from, uh, from some business adventure or some business idea, you're still fine. You know, you're still okay. Mm-hmm. That uh, that's in contrast to the essentialist philosophy, which we mm-hmm. also talked about. Mm, so I suppose those are like these, these two very different mental models, um, which I think are both very relevant, but perhaps in, in different situations. Mm-hmm. Like, um, essentialism is, is about focus. It's about optimizing for you know, our, our flaws as human beings that we can't do everything and we, mm-hmm. we get easily distracted if we try to do a hundred things. And, and the diversification thing uh, makes sense in other contexts, like when investing money on capital markets for example, like that's, you know, <laughs> would it be very smart to to bet on on one thing, uh, due to the nature of randomness. Yeah, but yeah, but you know, it's it's like it's, it depends. Like for example, for me, this this the as you said, these things actually they work together a little bit because you know, mm. for me, the essential part is Nosby, right? So mm-hmm. I should focus everything I do on 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 moving our project forward, and and this I am betting on one horse, like on this Nosby thing, but because Meanwhile, it is earning money and I get some money from it right now. Mm-hmm. Not, mm-hmm. I'm not betting it right now to earn money in five years from Nosby. I'm, I'm getting right. a salary now. So, so with the salary, I'm trying to diversify, you know, to, 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 to invest and to have 
you know the means uh, and not just you know eat it up you know and 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 uh, live from the first to the first uh, but um so so i'm diversifying in this in this you know in my money that i earn from nosby but on the other hand my whole work is focused on nosby so this is how this is how, this is how i see it Coming back to the book as a whole, uh, you mm-hmm. said that you didn't really like its structure. And I have to agree. Uh, to me, the book was rambly, I guess. Yeah, right? Uh, I mean, it was very... To me, it was very enjoyable, actually, to listen to because it, it was it was a fun story, right? It was structured as, as this, this kind of amorphous story. But then I, I I sat down to compile my notes from like little snippets and I found it hard because it, you know, it was it was a fun read and there was I think a lot of wisdom in it, but it, it doesn't have a st- structure. No, and like coming back to essentialism, which uh, which I just read on paper uh, after having after after I've listened to it twice, it had. A lot better structure, like yes. so. So it, it it made total sense how it was structured. For example, there were a, a few chapters in this book in in, in, in the full by randomness that like he would like almost get to a point, mm-hmm. and then the chapter would end. And I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah. So uh, what happened here? Like it, you know, <laughs> he would just lose me. You know, it was, it was like there was a pause even. So there was like you know in the audio version there was no music or anything. So it was like a p- big pause. And I was like, is it broken or does it work? I mean, is it playing? Oh yeah, it is. Chapter next one. Huh. So yeah. So um. That, but the technicality. Technicality. Um. But anyway. Um. Yeah. The point. <laughs> maybe maybe it was the point of the book to be more random than than it should be. <laughs> um. Maybe. <laughs> uh, I don't know. But coming back to, you know, to this, you know, full by randomness is the. From my understanding, this is the thing. You know, it's more like a cautionary tale, uh, of um, that. Yes. We should attribute a little bit more to random facts than we think. You know, whatever we happens to us, whatever happens to other people, you know, we should be mindful that, you know, there is like there is this luck, this randomness happening, and that we're as you said, we don't we're not equipped to understand it. So we understand how things work. So um so we should just, you know, let it go. Mm-hmm. Uh I think I think the book really fit our philosophy in a way. Or at least mm-hmm. my philosophy. One of the premises of the book is that we humans are flawed, not mm-hmm. just imperfect, but fundamentally flawed, right? We're, we're irrational, we're emotional, and we don't need moralizing lectures. We need tricks and mind hacks, right? We, we, we can't... A very, you know, irrational minds can't do much to influence our emotions directly. It's it's far better to understand our limitations and rationally create an environment in which our emotions are less likely to fool us into making stupid decisions. And I think that's that's partly what what the what the book was about. Um, it it gave a lot of examples not just you know moralizing lectures on on how randomness works but how we're fooled by it and and how how to you know create a a life for yourself in in which you're you're less likely to be fooled like for example many of the of these stories were were very much in, in the context of uh of the offer being a a trader but he talked about 
reading news, for example, right? Yeah. That you know, it's it's a waste of time. You're just seeding yourself with noise, and it it creates a lot of emotions, and it it just it doesn't matter. It's mostly noise, and it's better to look at uh, the data, look at um, how your positions are doing less often, not more often. We're, we're tempted to do more often because that's technology, right? We can do real time and everything. But actually, because of our flaws, we should do le- less often because the, the nature of randomness is such that time smooths out noise. Over time, you see more and more signal um, and, and noise becomes a, a smaller part, right? And so like if you if you kind of try to cut yourself out from some of the noise, you end up making better decisions, even though you have less information, because more of the information you get is is actual signal and not noise. Yeah. Um, well, that just reinforces my idea of you know of not really watching news and things like that. I mean, <laughs> I um, I read somewhere that news is like um, sweets, you know, like a small you know sweets, and then yeah. you just eat them, and then they're they're fine and they're sweet and they they make you feel you know. I don't know, informed Good. or you know, feel that you know so much stuff, but uh, but you 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 don't because um, these are all superficial you know things, and they are yeah. very often, as as the author pointed out, um, not really true things. I mean, they the journalists try to make headline of 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 anything you know out of thin air. You know, there's nothing happening, but they would say you know something happened, and you would believe that this this actually happened. Or that the probability was like that, and um, in the end, it's not true, you know. And but it decides, but but it defines how you decide things, you know. The phrase I've heard for news is intellectual empty calories. Yeah, mm. that's a good one. Mm. That's a good one. Yeah, it doesn't mean you you shouldn't you know you know stay more or less up to date with what's happening, but you can do it you know after your weekly review <laughs> actually yeah, the- to. To to read a few like interesting articles uh, in in a few magazines, but read them well and not just read a few headlines, you know. Yeah, and the important thing things uh, filter filter out to you anyway. Like again, that that's the thing. A time smooths out noise. Yeah. Uh, another example which I really liked, and uh, it's not a surprising one. I I've heard a version of of that be- before, but it goes like this: Say you become very successful. Uh, maybe you start an internet company, maybe you make, you know, maybe you're you, you're the top 1% or whatever, right? And then, and then you feel like, oh, I'm successful. So you move into the, the richest neighborhood in the city. Right. And then in that neighborhood, you're the least wealthy of all the families living there. And nothing changed. You're still as successful as you, you have been. But now you feel like shit. You feel worthless. You feel like the worst because, not because of anything in re- in reality, but because you're fooled by, not by randomness perhaps, but by the information you see. Your 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 emotional brain is incapable of processing the fact that you're still top one percent. You naturally contrast yourself to the top one percent of the top one percent, and among them, you're you're the worst, and you feel like failure, right? And so the the kind of fooled by randomness solution to this is to accept your ir- irrationality as a human being not not try to 
be like, oh, I, I understand it because it's not enough that you understand it rationally, but you just <laughs> you just don't move into the super rich neighborhood in the first place, right? Yeah. And and there, there's you can you can make up plenty of of more mundane examples of this where where you you interpret data because of um, availability bias because of survivorship bias you 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 make decisions or your um, your mind plays tricks on you and makes you feel bad because of the information that's in front of you even though that's not the full information yeah I think yeah this that's, that's yeah that's, that's a really good idea I mean and this is what I what I said also uh, previously that when when I compare myself to other you know CEOs or other companies I I can either decide I'm very successful or I can decide um, or I can think I'm you know <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a complete you know failure you know yeah. I'm not worth billions I'm not on the stock exchange or whatever you know I'm like you know whatever I can make up things but but it's a good yeah it's it, it, yeah that was a good good thing I mean he was trying to tell us that the sample is important like if you as you said if you if your sample if you compare yourself to the richest people on the planet you will be, become a failure you know in your own eyes because it's not the whole sample it's just a sample of the richest people and it's 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 uh, and it's the same thing with with everything that we compare to you know whenever wherever, wherever you know analyze data data the same goes with successes and failures and everything else um and yeah it's a good idea not to move your move up to the richest neighborhoods it's like it's like whenever <laughs> i visit london whenever i visit london i'm like and I'm like these guys have to earn lots of money there, lots of money. Mm-hmm. But then they have to spend so much on the housing and on everything else there, and on these fancy cars and whatever. I'm like, Whoa. cars in London. What what planet are you on? What do you mean? Who who has a car in central London? The ones who show off. They're all the I mean, all the best cars are in, in London. Mm. Yeah. Fine. I mean that's true. It's uh, it's amazing. Like you know, I don't know why would they you know buy these cars because you you can hardly move there. You know, it's yeah, like, it makes no sense. Uh, it doesn't make any sense. Like you have a your know, six hundred horsepower car that you know goes twenty kilometers per hour. So um, way to go. Um, but what I'm saying is that you know they 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 like the the level like is the same with San Francisco. You know, the San Francisco you have to spend yeah. so much money to live there, and uh, you know you could be a more successful. You know, I don't know, developer or whoever or entrepreneur. When you, if you would live in a different place, and you wouldn't have that costs, and then you could just focus on just recreating value and earning money and and having a good life. You know, and um, so so, yeah. it's yeah, it's it's crazy what people are what what we do. You know, and um, yeah, yeah. I I just recently talked to a friend who lives in San Francisco, uh, and he was like, you know, he <laughs> he earns a lot. I mean, a lot more money than I do, but he has no savings. Like, how do you have savings in San Francisco? I mean, it's impossible. Yeah, <laughs> right. Crazy stuff. No, it's 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 really it's really crazy stuff. Yeah. No. Um. So yeah. So the the sample matters, and and compare, and also the this this thing that you know we tend to compare each other, you know, to 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 other people, and um. It, again, it's in our human range, nature, and that's why I think we are being, being fooled by this. Because, as you said, you, you know, we com- we tend to compare because this is how how we, we we roll. This is how we think, but then we we don't realize we pick up wrong samples, and then we we make wrong comparisons, and we get wrong conclu- uh, conclusions from that. Mm-hmm. Another thing that I found really interesting the, this this thought experiment uh, in the book uh, it's about 
kind of the limitations of um, empiricism, you know, inductive reasoning. Uh, it's like, say you um, inspect uh, 5,000 swans, right? Yeah. And you see that all are white. So you conclude that all swans are white. But you can never conclude that with 100% certainty, right? Unless you know for a fact that you've inspected all swans that exist. But the other way around uh, is completely different, right? It, it, it takes just one black swan to falsify the statement that all swans are white. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, like, it, in a way, you can only falsify statements empirically, but you can never really prove them. So that's, that's a big problem when, um, when we're making decisions based on data, because, um, you know, we, we try to be smarter and use data and collect data and make decisions based on data, but the world is changing from underneath us. So we see that X has always been true. And so we conclude that X always must be true, not from first principles, but through inductive reasoning. It's, you know, all the samples we have says that X is true, so it must be true. But maybe it's not. And like the, 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 whole, uh, the whole history of, of technology and, and internet technology and disruption and whatever is all about breaking those assumptions, right? Or the other way around, you, you know, you're, for example you're um, investing on the markets and you decide X never happened before. So it, it's a safe bet that it won't happen. But it's not. Like ju just because all the samples you, you have says X never happened doesn't mean it, it cannot happen. You, you know what I'm saying? So this, is, this is stupid, but, but it, it's not. Like it, we can so easily be, be fooled by thinking that just because we, we have some data or more data, we've collected more samples, that this is enough to discern the truth. Uh, and it just, that, that, that's not always the case, right? Because uh, the, the samples we, we've been taking will have all sorts of other assumptions that, that are implicit, right? And then the world changes or something else we do changes and the assumptions break and we feel more confident in in making you know bold decisions because data uh, but rea in reality we're even fooled than you know we're even more fooled than we would be if we had none yeah i really like there was an example of this uh you know, in our hospital, out of 100 patients, 99 patients, you know, survived this operation. Mm -hmm. uh, up until now, we had 99 <laughs> successes. So next patient is going to die. <laughs> okay, yeah. yeah that, that's, that, that's another thing. But, but yeah, that, that's also an example of being fooled by statistics, like if you don't <laughs> understand it, right? Yeah. I, I really like this, this idea for a, for a con. Uh-huh. Okay. You send... 10,000 letters to people predicting a market movement. Oh, yeah, right. You tell half the people that this will go up and the other half that it will go down. And you repeat next month. Um, you will be right in one of those uh, samples. So to the 5,000 people next month, half of them you say it will go up and half of them you say it will go down. Yeah. 
And after five months, you know, 300 people will get letters um, predicting market movements correctly five months in a row. Yeah. And you've proved your market brilliance. This cannot be a coincidence. You've, you've caught it five months in a row. You must be an insider. Yeah. And you ask them to give your money. But that just because, you know, it's, it's such a clever use of, of the fact that the people you're fooling don't know the sample size. This is crazy, right? Yeah. Or uh, when, when, you, when you said the thing about uh, the, the 99th person. Yeah. Uh, it's like, uh, the, 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 uh, I was really laughing at, at the life expectancy thing, right? So mm-hmm. you, life ex- expectancy is 80 years and you're 65. So you should plan to be alive for 15 more years. Well, what if you're 90? Should you expect to be dead for 10 years? And that makes no sense, right? Yeah, what's your life expectancy? Minus 10? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's your, that's your life expectancy. I mean, it, it makes no sense. Like, uh, I think in the past we talked, or at least we both read the book Naked Statistics, uh, and it, it talked a lot about things like that. Just uh, simple, you know, matters of statistics and, and how to calculate stuff like that. And this is really annoying in media, especially like media covering science and technology, and they're throwing around numbers and percentages and statistics, and it makes them sound smart. But then some of the time, you know better about a thing, and you just see that they're making, uh, you know, stupid mistakes like this, you know, like like with uh, life expectancy, like that's, that's the life expectancy at birth. If you're 65, your conditional life expectancy is, is longer because mm-hmm. you're still alive, <laughs> right? And, and <laughs> that's one of the many annoying things about coming back to reading, reading the news that uh, you know journalists often just don't, don't don't understand statistics and don't understand science and have no real idea what they're talking about. Yeah, I mean the whole the whole thing about conditional probabilities was was pretty interesting that you know. That there are these conditions that you know we have to take 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 under consideration. If we don't, then the data is just <laughs> crazy stupid. It's like it doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. You know, coming back to 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 um, again to this notion of success and things. And I was uh, and I was I was I couldn't help by analyzing you know things you know retrospectively you know what happened to me, how how I started you know with 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 the business and things and. Uh, and and trying to figure out how much I can attribute to you know <laughs> to luck you know mm-hmm. and randomness and um, yeah it's uh, it's 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 crazy stuff I mean just coming back to how we met you know if you think about it you know it's oh, it's, yeah. it's 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 totally crazy you know the, should I tell the story yeah you should <laughs> okay so uh we met because i made this app called Tadam, which is a, a simple app for the mac and um i'm mean, still in the store and i knew you from the internet and i knew you used the mac and that you blog about productivity and so i thought okay maybe i'll just email you and pitch you the app and if you like it maybe you'll write about it and i'll get some more sales right and you did write about it and it, it didn't change a thing. But it so <laughs> happened that you needed help uh, with some thing on the Mac. And so the the crazy thing is that um, if I didn't make this app, 
uh, we wouldn't met. If you if you didn't need help at that moment, perhaps we I'd never hear from you again. Uh, and why did I I know about you in the first place? Well, I knew about you because I knew about uh, the company Thirty Seven Signals, which is our competitor. <laughs> funny enough, mm-hmm. and on their blog Signal versus Noise, uh, at one point you were in their office and you recorded an interview with Jason Fried, their CEO, and Jason Fried posted a link to your magazine, Pride Magazine, uh, to the interview. And it so happened, and I noticed it because I was reading them, and it so happened that I was going on vacation and I, I, you know, I would just spend the next week just doing nothing, just chilling on uh, on the beach, so I, I literally printed on paper, that was before I had an iPad, a bunch of issues of the Price Magazine, because I I was just at this point where I was interested in it because I felt like I needed help with my productivity, and I did, it was interesting, right? Uh, and I knew about uh, 30 Cent Signals because I read their book, Rework, and I have no idea how I came across this book. So, if I didn't came across this book, or if I didn't start reading them, or if I wasn't interested in reading Productive Magazine at that point in my life, or if you didn't fly to Chicago to record the interview, or if you didn't make the Productive Magazine at all, or if you didn't need help uh, with the Mac thing, or if I never emailed you, or if I never made this app, which I did partly because Rework kind of showed me that, oh, you know, I can make a little thing and maybe it works. If any of those things didn't happen, then we'd probably never meet. Yeah, but there's additional spin to it. Actually, before Nasby, I was a contractor. I was doing websites. And and you uh, later find out found out that you were also working on a website of the same customer later mm. after me and you found in the code of the website actually my name. So mm-hmm. So you could have met me with that as well like there are so many like if like when you when you think about the story there are so many you know ways it could have gone differently Mm -hmm. it's it's crazy like it's really crazy you know and so whenever i think about this story it's for me the great example of how many as you said as you just you know listed how many small decisions and small things led to this yeah and com- com- completely random, completely unpredictable. You know, yeah. in hi- in hindsight, it it makes this pretty story. But uh, you know, at that point, like I could never have predicted the the sequence of events that would lead us to where we are now. Yeah. Right. And you know, I I could have uh, I could have been in a very different place if I I didn't meet you, and if if this wasn't my first job out of school, but some other job. Which mm-hmm. you know, I, I mean, who knows, right? Yeah. And I, you know, I did things which influenced the fact that I got here. The prepared uh, are, are those that get lucky, right? Yeah. But still, so much random and so many things like I could never have controlled. Yeah, it's, it's it it brings me back to the story of of how Nosby started. You know, when I launched it, and okay, I did some work. Like promotional work. I was a part of different GTD communities, you know, before I launched Nosby. So, so, you know, so I did some stuff, but, you know, but 
all of a sudden there was this, you know, one of the bloggers I was following, he wrote an article on Nosby on this big, you know, website. And then from there, like all the links came up and then everything. So again, it was luck. I was kind of prepared, but I'm, but it's, it's hard to attribute everything to my, you know, preparedness or, you know, hard work. Um, yeah. It's it's always you know this like there's this this randomness fact and and there is no there is no recipe for that I can I can you know you can ask me about the secret of my success but I will tell you all these pretty stories like the one that we have, um, but <laughs> you know we're trying to you know make sense of what happened. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or uh, another one you you probably heard this story but I don't think I ever told on the show. Um, I. I have an elder brother. Uh, he's eight years older, and at the time when you know uh, when he was in in high school, and in high school he had just basics of programming, like HTML stuff like that, really, right? Uh, I was eight years younger, and we shared a computer, right? And because he was doing these things at school, he had this app on our shared computer for for making websites. It was a, a, a WYSIWYG editor, right? And I discovered that. And I kind of got you know interested in it uh, because I could do stuff, you know, I could make com- a computer do things. Mm-hmm. And then it had attached like tutorials for HTML and CSS and PHP. And that's how I started with programming. Mm-hmm. And I was 11 and it was, it was it was pure luck, right? It was it was just again more sequence of events that are completely random, right? The fact that I have an older brother that he uh, he had this at school that he installed this app that we had a shared computer that I discovered it and got interested in it and probably had too much uh, time bored to explore this thing. I you know it would be so simple for me to never see that. And maybe I wouldn't be a programmer then, or I would discover it many years later. It's it's just it's just luck. It's just luck. Yeah, and then we wouldn't wouldn't have hired you because we only hired child child prodigies, nothing else. So <laughs> shut up. <laughs>